Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 18th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. Good evening, I'm William Hosea. Today, only about one in 10 Black adults identify with or lean toward the Republican Party. Moreover, in a Pew Research Center survey in October, only 4% of Black registered voters said they would vote for the Republican candidate for the U.S. House seat in their district, while 69% said they would back the Democratic candidate. Well, tonight our, our guests and, and William and I will talk about that. But before we get into that conversation, just wanted to talk a little bit about Tyree Nichols. Uh, as many of you know, uh, we're dealing with yet another tragic killing. And Tyree Nichols, a 29-year-old black man, was pulled over by police for alleged reckless driving. And according to Nichols' mother, Wovon Wells, Tyree was just two minutes away from his home when he was pulled over. Officials said that Memphis officers approached Nichols, who ran away. Uh, that was the original statement. Attorneys for Nichols' family said the body cam footage of the incident shows that Nichols did not originally run when being approached by officers. They say Nichols told police that he was just trying to get home from FedEx, where he worked, and yelled for his mother three times toward the end of the video. And officers say they then pursued Nichols after he ran and apprehended him. And after the incident, Nichols complained of having a shortness of breath and was transported by ambulance to Memphis St. Francis Hospital in critical condition, according to police. Due to Nichols' condition, the Shelby County District Attorney's Office was contacted and TBI special agents were subsequently requested to conduct a use of force investigation. The Memphis Police Department said at the time that the officers involved will be routinely relieved of duty pending the outcome of the TBI's investigation. January 18th, federal investigations began. Kevin G. Ritz, United States Attorney for the Western District of Tennessee, announced that the FBI and DOJ are investigating the incident. State authorities have publicly announced that the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation is investigating, Ritz said in a statement. In addition, the U.S. Attorney's Office, in coordination with the FBI Memphis Field Office and the Civil Rights Division of the DOJ, has opened a civil rights investigation. January 20, the firing of Memphis police officers. The Memphis Police Department announced that it had fired five police officers following an investigation into Tyree Nichols' death. And his death again uh, occurred on January the 10th, three days after this, uh, this police stop. Joining us this evening is Robin Winston, an accomplished business leader and skilled political strategist. Uh, he's back with us to provide his students observations on uh, this unfolding situation. Yet again, another senseless, seemingly senseless, senseless killing of a black motorist or a black man uh, here in America. And then he's, he's also going to weigh in on the relationship that Black Americans have with the Republican Party. And along with his views on the political horizon in Indiana, he'll fill some questions pertaining to the circus atmosphere in the U.S. House of Representatives. And apparently Donald Trump's last stand in Georgia and the up-and-coming Democratic talent like Representative Hakeem Jeffrey, Jeffries. 
Robin. It's a short list of things to discuss, but nevertheless, welcome to bring it on. <laughs> oh, there's nothing serious about anything you mentioned there, uh, Clarence. I mean, my gosh, they're all kind of lightweight, easy uh, issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just your run-of-the-mill things. No, I um, first off, I hope your listeners will appreciate for 18 years that you and perhaps William, I don't know for sure, but at least you and your team have been doing the show. Um, communications is important. And also the respect that people have for you shows that, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, people are listening to you and they're going to listen to you throughout as you as you continue to broadcast in the future. Um, let's take Memphis first. If I have one more person tell me and all the officers were black, that doesn't dismiss what happened. It doesn't dismiss what happened. Um, it does show us, unfortunately, in, in a way of Dr. King's quote, that you should judge people not by the color of the skin, but by the content of their character. These men have no character. I mean, five people on one individual, whatever happened with holding somebody down, whatever happened with, with you know, just handcuffing somebody, um, five people that I hope will get the full extent of the law you know, there's a mitigating circumstances here, which is really, uh, I know you all are dealing with a hate crimes issue down in your community, but uh, they are now saying there will be no hate crime, uh, additional charges put against them because they were African-American. Well, that isn't true. Clarence Thomas hates us every day. So I don't know how you, how you could not say just because you're of color doesn't mean that you love black people. Everybody on this call knows that just because someone's of color doesn't mean that they necessarily uh, treat us fairly. And we always get the benefit. I've been stopped by African-American police officers for stupid stuff. You know, turn signal, you turned on yellow, turned on yellow. Okay, great. I don't believe I did, but if you think I did great. So beyond that, what's the, what, and I didn't get a ticket, but just a, so just a hassle folks. So, you know, I hope that um, people will move forward on it. You know, this town, to those of us who know history, and I hope your viewers know it too, is where Dr. King was killed. It's the home of the Lorraine Hotel. And I'm getting a little tired of communities. I was talking to a woman running for office in, in Louisville, not more than about two hours ago. These towns are no longer being known for what you would think they'd be known for. They'd be in Minneapolis. You couldn't name anything except in Minneapolis is where George Floyd got killed. Now Memphis with this, with Dr. King before that. They don't even get, I mean, Beale Street, so what? This is where the Lorraine Hotel is. This is where this man, Minneapolis, same way. Uh, Louisville, you can tell me all you want about the Derby, but people know it's Breonna Taylor was killed there. And this is not only besmirching their community's image, it's costing their taxpayers the same, same taxpayers that many of these folks claim are conservative and support the police, not having to ante up millions of dollars because of their misdeeds. You know, I, I, I still believe that um, when folks, when, when folks realize the economic impact that this has, in addition to the financial and the overriding, which should be the most important part, equal justice under the law, it has an impact. There, there are people in your, in your listening audience right now. I mean, let's just have a frank conversation. They know about the history of a town not more than 15 miles from you called Martinsville. They know it. And they could never shake that image. And they, and they still have tried, and they tried, and I hope that future generations will try it. But we have sundown towns in this state. We have these kind of things. 
this kind of thing is not just about equal justice. It's about whether people want to relocate to your city. Um, and, and it's got to stop. In the case of, in the, case of uh, the man in Memphis, I've never understood why he couldn't have been detained. If you ever look at the arrest video, and please do, look at the arrest video of Dylan Roof, who killed eight people in Charleston. They talked to him as you and I were talking on a Sunday afternoon in the parking lot at a grocery store. He was never slammed against the back of a car. He killed eight people. And please don't think, oh, well, that would make it prejudicial. They talked to that guy so calmly, but, you know, another guy's going through a neighborhood in Georgia running away from people and they shoot him. So this is why when people tell us, and this is why I'm so glad you guys do this program, that elections and politics don't matter, it will be a attorney, a U.S. attorney that will prosecute this case. It will be a federal judge that might rule on additional sanctions. It will be a local Shelby County judge elected by the population that might do the sentencing, or they probably will move it out of that jurisdiction in order to, quote, air quote, have a fair trial. So elections do have consequences, particularly in the meeting out of justice to protect people under the, under the law. One last thing about, about this. The, the, we are commending the district attorney for doing what everybody should do, which is move swiftly in the pursuit of justice. I mean, people are all, you know, he did an outstanding job. He should. He's also elected by the people of Shelby County. So this, this case, you know, this is one of those where I feel for the family. I feel for the community. But, you know, five guys wailing away on somebody. This is, this is the 2023 Rodney King video. Yeah, there have been similarities by that. And um, Karen Bass, uh, Representative Karen Bass was brought on. I'm, I'm sorry, Mayor Karen Bass was brought on uh, to, to talk about that very thing. And I noticed that uh, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act that she introduced is still languishing out there. Uh, I comment a word yeah. or two on that, the fact that we could try to pass laws, but they're just being hemmed up. I want to remind your viewers, some I mean, of your listeners and viewers, not one Democrat is the reason it's being hung up. You said you were going to talk about our relationship with the Republican Party. It is not being hung up because of any Democrats. I mean, Kevin McCarthy will not be pushing this legislation through a Republican-controlled House. And that's the sad part. It is not because of that. Time and time again, whether it has been the appointment of judges, appointment of, of, of other folks of positions of authority and civil rights, it's hung up because we run into modern day, modern day of uh, Republicans who still hold things up because of some allegiance to, I don't even know what it is, allegiance anymore. How you could not see a man um, struggling for his life for almost nine minutes on a sidewalk and realize that we need to have judicial reform and police reform is beyond me. Once again, I think until it begins to hit some of these communities in their pocketbooks and their image, it won't resonate with, with some folks who remain opposed to it because they've had ample opportunity to address the judicial and the fairness issues. And the voice you just heard, if you've just joined us this evening, is uh, Robin Winston. He's an accomplished business leader and skilled political strategist. He's of the Winston Terrell Group. He's, he's not a stranger to bring it on. We have always enjoyed 
his commentary and his astute observations on the uh, political state of affairs, both in Indiana, regionally and nationally. Uh, William, I'll turn it over to you. You know, um, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, governments and municipalities, they have insurance that covers the cost in case they get sued. Is that right? That's correct, so, yeah. So that being the case, it seems that uh, these cities won't really feel the financial impact until insurance companies, one of them take a stand and refuses to underwrite that policy. And then they have to take it out of their general revenues. That is a tremendous point, William. It's been proposed in some other communities even to extend making officers get liability insurance. Right. Um, that would may maybe make them think uh, twice about their actions. But in lieu of that, yeah, I mean, if you went out tomorrow and had a car wreck, and then the next week you had a car wreck, and the next week you had a car wreck, <laughs> maybe you wouldn't be able to get anything from from Patrick Mahomes and State Farm at all because they'd say you're a high risk. Well, when they begin to do that to municipalities, um, that'll be the case. Be careful on one aspect. Some municipalities are self-insured. So if they have to meet a requirement, they simply generate additional tax revenue to offset that loss. Sooner or later, that same conservative taxpayer that wants to make sure the government doesn't spend too much money is going to be realizing that probably in the case of Memphis, that's going to be 20 to $30 million settlement to that man's family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, Brianna was 12 million. I think Brianna was 12 million in Louisville. 12 million. I think, I'm not mm -hmm. sure, but I know there's over 10 million that that caused the taxpayers of, of Louisville and Jefferson County. But I would hate that it would have to take something monetary uh, to get people to view another community of people in a more respectful way. Uh, it, it's like, here we go again. Every summer, there's for the last, what, five or six plus years, there's been an incident, some unfortunate occurrence. And people have taken to the streets peacefully sometimes, and then sometimes their rage is boiled over. Uh, and, and here, a suffering family is pleading with the public not to go violent with their protests. I mean, with all the heaviness and grief that they're having to, to bear, they're begging and pleading people, you know, trust the system once again. Well, I think Clarence and William, uh, I'm gonna use what you started your, your discussion with William, and you said, correct me if I'm wrong. I would welcome someone to correct me if I'm wrong. I don't ever remember a white family standing up there talking about abuse by the police. I've not seen uh, Ben Crump have to go defend a, a white or help support a white family whose son had been brutally beaten by police, shot in the back, shot getting into a car, shot through a car. I don't remember that. Now, let me make sure I clear this because I don't want some Yahoo to decide this is the time to, to say something stupid. There are outstanding police out here. They have one of the toughest jobs in the, in the along. I donate repeatedly to the state FOP. I understand that there are outstanding police out here. These kind of people are the kind of people that in one moment destroy the reputation. But if you were to take the actuarial tables and just add pragmatism to it, I've not seen, I don't know a world renowned white attorney who has stood up with white victim of brutal assault by police. I don't remember that. I don't remember any municipality paying out for that? So, and once again, if that has happened, please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember that happening. 
there actually was one family last year that uh, Ben Crump represented and, and Reverend Sharpton eulogized the uh, victim. It was a young oh, white good. male. I can, cannot remember the family's name or where it was located, but there was, was at least himself? one. I, I was believe he by so. Himself? I, I believe okay, he was. I know that there was one where he was with, uh, there was a guy with other people of color, but okay. Well then maybe there, I stand wrong compared to the hundreds that I was, that, that went before him. Yeah. Well, you're allowed that because it didn't get much coverage. No, not at all. You know, and, come on folks. Let's, let's also, let's also, in the very medium that you're in, which is media, if we had had this kind of thing with Jimmy Taylor in Mississippi or Emmett Till, can you imagine if a modern day Emmett Till had happened and there'd have been reporters on the scene in Mississippi or Goodman Cheney Schwerner in Philadelphia, Mississippi, or all the places that dotted the map of where there were violations of civil rights during the civil rights era? Just think how much the, the nation, I mean, it took, what, Birmingham fire hoses and, and German shepherds, and that was done not when there was 24-hour news. Can you imagine if we had had 24-hour news then? So th this, these incidences have gone on for decades, generations, that this has happened. So, you know, fire... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to go back to Dr. King's quote, which is, you know, like, I cannot legislate morality. It boils down to you got to have the moral values to respect another human's life. We right. can't legislate that. We just right. so we can try. We can try to talk common sense, but we can't legislate it. So to those right. of you listening who, who are law abiding, long time sworn officers who do your job. Thank you. To those of you who are not even that and do your job. Thank you. You're the guys and women that I see sitting in a diner that I walk over and say, thank you for what you're doing because I know it's a tough job, but things like this destroy the trust between the communities with you. Uh, thank you for that, Robin. And we did want to lead off our conversation on this very relevant uh, event. It's uh, fresh in everyone's memory and it's still unfolding. And by the time that we air this recording, uh, it will not have been resolved. A young man has lost his, his life. Family is just in turmoil. But yet five officers now have disgraced, as the mother so poignantly said, you have disgraced your families, and they have. So hopefully something yes, positive and hopefully something, some type of reform can come from this. And hopefully let's, let's pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Um, it sounds as if President Biden has been echoing that. And I'd love to see some movement on it. Let, let's hold McCarthy's feet to the fire and get this thing done. Well, let, let me throw one more question out there uh, for Robin. Chief Davis, I think that's the police chief's uh, name. In she Memphis. has really, yeah, she has really raised the bar. At her, at, along with the, the DA, they've really raised the bar on how the uh, justice system and law enforcement should respond in a case like this. And sadly, we have every reason to believe there will be another one. So the next time that this happens, the pressure is gonna be on whoever is leading the law enforcement effort to respond uh, appropriately. What, you know, black people have considered this type of response appropriate all along. But Robin, do, do you think that uh, it will bring any pressure to bear on 
on the, the political response? Depends upon where it is. Um, if, you, if you remember, and you guys are sharp enough to probably remember, and also maybe um, have already talked about it, but Shelby County was also the linchpin case for overthrowing the Voting Rights Act. Uh, and Shelby County, it was Holder versus Shelby County or Shelby County mm. versus Holder. It's been a law, and that was to purge um, record numbers of people of color uh, off the voting rolls. Once again, um, it's the meshing of political with political clout. So if you all of a sudden get political clout, you remove people that have clout off the voter rolls. But that is the that's the test case to come back and say we don't even need the oversight by the Justice Department on the drawing of lines and things like that in the South. And the Supreme Court uh, ruled in ruled in that favor and overthrew basically overthrew the Voting Rights Act. Um, you were as you paraphr you started off by. Uh, Republicans, we always have Republicans vote against the Voting Rights Act. Let's instill some of that in the Voting Rights Act so that we don't have the kind of uh, disproportionate purging of urban voters uh, that you do. We lost 700,000 people here in Indiana about four or five years ago. 700,000 in Indiana. A lot of them in your community because they were purging college students disproportionately um, because they weren't, you know, maybe they had moved and they didn't get the envelope uh, the uh, postcard to, to verify that they were still at their address. So I believe with some jurisdictions, it will. Steve Cohen is a member of Congress down there. He is not an African-American. Uh, it's a majority minority seat. He is, he's done an outstanding job as a member of Congress. He's keenly aware of the ramifications of this. I, I do believe it will have some impact locally, um, but you get in other jurisdictions, it may not simply because people don't feel the political pressure will be put upon them uh, to bear. But, you know, I watched the other night, I, 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 you guys know this, almost dropped the phone, the Marion, the Monroe County Sheriff's an African-American, leading people on a tour of your jail to say that the conditions down there are deplorable. Now, that brother did an outstanding job. And he's showing, I mean, and he only took office, I guess, recently. So he inherited those conditions. That's what law enforcement can do because... He knows that people do deserve to have their civil rights, even though they have been arrested. They don't shouldn't be in deplorable conditions. And he's keenly aware of it. So that's local leadership, not waiting on Washington to make some kind of mandate. That's a guy that's going to go in and get things cleaned up. I mean, I saw the video of uh, 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 restrooms weren't even being used. Mold was coming down the wall in the showers. One dude was laying on the ground and had a styrofoam cup as his pillow. I mean, so to answer your question, William, if we wait on Washington, we might be waiting a long time. That's why I, I'm proud to see local actions like they did there. And also how quickly your community, even down in Columbus, people were gathered together to talk about how the student there was, was uh, attacked for no other reason than she was Asian. It's localized things that have to happen. And, you know, you can look at Columbus and think, well, they didn't have to do it, but they were cognizant enough to do something about it. And Hamilton and your mayor, John, did a, a good job down there moving quickly. And I hope that this is addressed pretty quickly. We intend to have uh, Sheriff Marte on in the next uh, week or so to talk about that very thing. My jaw dropped also. I was a, a former deputy jailer uh, at the Monroe County oh. Jail for about six months. And this was back, um, I think we had rotary phones, but anyway, this was a while ago. <laughs> uh, and, and that place was run, it was run like 
like uh, just like a uh, at the time a Timex watch. It was just perfectly well oiled, well tuned, but it was relatively new. But to see it in the condition it's in now, I'm thinking, who allowed it to get in this condition? Um, and what they're uncovering now in the vents, inmates had stuffed, let's just say material in there that has been there for year, years. Uh, so you had to question now the air quality in that place. And then you look at what's been smeared on the walls, the living conditions in general, people huddled together to sleep and plus the overcrowding. And it's, it's well time for a new facility. So all those debates and arguments are ongoing in, in the county uh, uh, governance. Uh, and so hopefully at the end of the day, we get a, a new facility and Ruben is able to enroll uh, his vision uh, for running uh, the county jail. And yes, it took a lot of courage, a lot of courage to say that and to do that. And I'm glad he did it publicly. Um, and now all the state is looking at Indy, uh, looking at Monroe County to see if it's going to get its act together. He yeah, he showed the conditions. I mean, didn't take much investigative reporting to show those conditions. That, you know, and he's smart because you know what would have happened if he didn't address them quickly. They'd have been left on his plate, and in March right. somebody else might have did an investigative thing, and it would have been three months into his term and nothing done about it. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. He well, had no, no choice but this. to go public with that. He did. Uh, he had to. Uh, he needs to start with literally a clean slate. Um, but with the respect of, of the community saying, look, I'm going to show you our dirty laundry and I want to do something about it. So I think he presented it well. Uh, he had the strongest impact using the visual along with just something in writing. So we'll see what happens. Uh, this dynamic that we talked about at the very beginning of the show, as far as you know, 4% of black registered voters say they will vote for the Republican candidate for the US House seat. But then we're hearing too that more black men um, I believe what in 2016 gravitated towards uh, Donald Trump as a presidential candidate. And is, is it because of his statement saying, why are you voting for Democrats? What have they done for you lately? Or, or is there something behind that, Robin? What, what, what's going on here? I don't know what's going on with some of our brothers because the same thing happened to Stacey Abrams in, in Georgia. She trailed among, yeah. among African-American men. As much as like Kemp got like 15% of the African-American male vote. Um, in 16, you know, you could say, well, there was Hillary Clinton. So I hope we don't have a bunch of, and, and I'll, and I will, I'll do like our pastor does in church. I'll use the long word, then I'll use the short word. I hope we don't have a lot of misogynists. I hope we don't have a lot of haters out there that, um, don't want to see a woman get elected. But, you know, when you look at the, you guys look at empirical data, you led by it, William, beginning the show. I mean, something's fundamentally wrong when 4% of African-Americans say they'll vote uh, for a Republican, but a large number of African American males say that they will. I mean, it isn't job creation. It isn't education. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm concerned about whether it's accountability for some things they don't want to be accountable for. I don't know what it is. But I also would tell you that if, the, if they are indeed voting, they've already jumped the broom on being committed to civically being involved. She ran way behind Warnock's numbers, way behind his numbers in Georgia, uh, among African American males. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. We're going to get a test of it, I think, pretty soon here in in uh, in California with Barbara Lee running. Uh, we're going to get a test of it maybe sometime in the 
very near future with Kamala Harris running. Um, so we'll we'll see where the brothers are on this. I wish they would start looking at policies and deciding is this the best policy for me because it's the policy that affects their families that they should be thinking about. Not 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 just themselves, not selfishly them, but cutting scholarships, you know, doing the things that affect people in the daily lives, many of whom they're very close to. I hope that that's not the case. Georgia is a strange, uh, kind of a strange state anyway, because on the one hand, they gave us uh, Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff, but then they also gave us uh, Brian Kemp. Uh, they gave us the guilty verdict in the Ahmaud uh, Arbery uh, murders. So you, you just really can't tell which way Georgia is going to go. <laughs> they gave you Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, yeah, um, I, I meant yeah. to say that. <laughs> well, at least Dalton and North Georgia gave you Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, it's a complex state. I know one day it will be a jeopardy question, probably maybe the final jeopardy. It'll be, you know, what state elected an African-American and a Jewish person as U.S. senators in a, in a general election? And I think people will, ain't California, ain't New York, <laughs> and the winner will, the winner will say Georgia. Um, so it's a, clearly a complex state, um, but it's moved itself up to the fact that this week in Philadelphia at the Democratic National Committee, uh, it will be one of the recommended early primary states so that we have more diversity and also to assuage the concerns of organized labor. They wanted South Carolina, and it will be there. South Carolina may also be there, but it has a terrible union record. Georgia, I don't know that has an outstanding one, but at least uh, it may be put into the mix so that we get a nominee who at least has had to run in a diverse type environment to, to lock up the nomination for our party. Uh, for those who've just joined us, we have the pleasure of speaking with Robin Winston, who is the president of Winston Terrell Group. He joins us. Uh, he, is, he is no stranger to bring it on. He has always brought his political acume to, to bear and, and just with his astute observations has always uh, just had some excellent forecasting in the political realm. And we're so grateful to have him on tonight as we've talked about some rather sensitive, delicate issues uh, with police reform and yet another tragedy in America, to now just the political horizon, we're sort of segueing into that. Uh, Robin, there is often a critique that is briefly spoken of, and it's interesting to hear that um, Blacks are usually rolled out by Democrats every time we have a national election, as if you know they can count on our vote and we're there. But then there is a time when we need to take assessment to see, okay, how are we faring with the Democratic Party. And some have argued, do we need to start our own party, which is, is really a non-starter. But what's your assessment when, when, when uh, critics or those who are very um, uh, critical of uh, the Democratic Party bring that type of observation to you? What do you respond with? I welcome it because if you don't address the issues that people are talking about, you're always behind. How does it hurt to have a good, solid discussion? I always tell people, um, there was a guy named uh, Bill Schreiber that was a political consultant in our state. And when I was a very young state chair and Frank O'Bannon was governor, he once said to me, if you want to know what a cowboy is going to do in a bar on a Saturday night, look and see what he does on, on the last Saturday night. So if you want to know where a party's going to be and where people are going to be, look and see what they've done. If they've not responded, then you should hold them accountable. Um, but, but I take a different approach rather than take my marbles and go home and make my own. 
I'd rather look, I'd rather have been part of the system and part of the system, you know, I'm not going to go down memory lane and click off what we got done. But if you're not in that room, in the words of Bill Crawford, if you're not, if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. So you got to be engaged there. You got to be um, very much involved, but you got to also be accountable, but you don't, but I also think advocacy, advocacy groups should not wait till October one to become advocacy groups should be advocacy groups all the way along the road, all the way as things are, are coming along. I mean, people should be engaged. Uh, some of our advocacy organizations should be letting out an agenda. I've learned sometimes if people don't know, and it isn't that they should know, if they don't know how a particular group feels about something, it's hard to make sure that that is given to the, uh, to the policy realm. I do think though that that uh, we are demonstrating that we are doing things that have never been done before. Um, the, the student debt thing is a big deal, not just for African-Americans, but for lots of people right there in your community. Um, that has strapped a lot of people in recent graduates. Um, nobody ever has addressed it at the level that this administration, and then we get a conservative Republican, or conservative federal judge appointed by a president, Republican president, to hijack it and not let it go into effect. Um, people always talk about unanimity. There wasn't unanimity on Obamacare. Heck, there wasn't unanimity on Social Security. There wasn't unanimity on, on Medicare. So you do have to compromise and get things done. But I don't think you should walk away. I just, I think you should hold people accountable. I think just like you guys do by bringing in people and, and putting us on the air and making us explain things. I think that's important. I also, though, think it's important that we set tangible goals. Government has a lot of power and can do a lot of things. Uh, if there's any lesson that I've learned that I will, that if I go back into government or can make sure that certain people go into government, it isn't just to appoint people that look like us to positions. I mean, we have five guys down in Memphis that are all African-American police officers. They didn't do us right. So I think it's important that we figure out the qualities of the people before we appoint them to positions, that we articulate to those in charge what the issues are or what we want them to address, and then finally that we vote. Um, that is the easiest thing, one of the easiest things, easiest transactions in our democracy is to vote. And, I, and when people vote, they pay attention. You have got a very interesting race coming up down in your community. I don't, and I don't know enough about your history, but I don't know if Bloomington's ever had a a person of color as a party nominee for mayor, but you have that coming up um, possibly in, in May. Um, so it's gonna be very interesting to see how advocacy groups right there in your community move forward early on to express their concerns so that all three, at least, I think that last thing is three candidates have to address them and listen to their needs. That's right. Well, Robin, that, that kind of takes me back to uh, what we started off with and some of the uh, statistics there are more yes. African-American women than there are African-American men, but more of the men voted for uh, Republicans than the women did. So it, is that something that the Democratic Party should be worried about as far as a future trend? And if so, how, what are your thoughts on how they can address it now? My thoughts on it, and we're already, I'm not saying we are because I'm not in charge of the Democratic Party, but 
tangentially, I'm still very involved. The, Cornell Belcher is a friend of mine. He's a pollster. Hmm. Uh, you may see him from time to time on MSNBC. Yes. Cornell is doing that drill down right now um, because it isn't simply enough to look at the numbers. Here, here's another thing to keep in mind. 64% of the registered African-Americans in the state of Indiana that vote regularly are female, 64 black female, 64%, 64%. Um, so if your number of a small part of your vote is leaving away from you, that's even more ominous. Um, what I believe some of our arguments have got to be is move away from some of the social issues and move away to more economic issues. But I do think the very fact that folks like him and others are now doing the drill down and asking the exit interviews and doing that is very, very important. We are not monolithic because um, I can't do it. I, I can't do William and, and Clarence, I can't do it. I don't know how to relate to a 23-year-old African-American male. We need to have a 23-year-old African-American male relate. I'm hoping at the national level, the speech that I saw Hakeem Jeffers give and the fact that he grew up extremely urban in, in, uh, in the Bronx and understands Queens and understands urban issues, maybe that will help us get a message at the national level that will resonate, that people can believe in. Um, that, I think, is very, very important, that folks see people that look like them in positions of, of listening, not authority, but positions of listening. So I hope that that does indeed happen. No, let, let's stay right there. You mentioned Hakeem Jeffries. And, I, and now I want to move to the dynamics uh, going on, taking place in the House. Um, you know, I thought it was only Muhammad Ali that would go 15 rounds in a, in a fight before it was called <laughs> Um, You know, I, I looked at that and, and I'm thinking at some point his pride is going to say, well, enough's enough. I don't have the votes. I'm like, whatever. But obviously he sold his soul and whatever else. I'm, I'm referring to McCarthy, of course. But right. then Hakeem Jeffries sitting there just just uh, cool and, and, and competent and just observing what's transpiring. They would make comments during the week. You know, they, they really need to get their house in order. <laughs> and I was just <laughs> laughing because, you know, he's suave and it seems as if he has the, uh, the political finesse to sort of get through. Now, he's got to face a circus on the other side. And depending on which uh, <laughs> group of Republicans is going to try to as well control because you have the MAGA, you have the, the ultra-conservative, you have all these different factions. And I believe they're going to implode. And it may be on the debt ceiling. It, it very well may be. But, but what's, what's your observation of the, the Akeem Jeffries that are up and coming and just the craziness that's going on out in the House? Well, I got tears in my eyes when I heard it, when I watched his speech. I really did, because I think you're seeing a, a new generation of leadership right in front of us. You know, Jim Clyburn is 80, 81 years old. Hakeem is 52. Don't underestimate the bona fides of this, uh, bona fides of this guy. I mean, you know, Georgetown, New York law, um, magna cum laude graduate, all the attributes you'd want in an outstanding member of Congress. And he got up there and I take it that you all all saw the, the alphabet that he went through and did the comparison. Very, very powerful speech. Um, and he had no choice. Now, one thing keep people... Part of that 15 rounds over in that corner was not uh, Angelo Dundee, but was George Santos. He was wiping off Kevin McCarthy between rounds because he was one of the votes. So don't forget that, everybody. 
you know, everybody forgets now, you know, every, every, nobody likes George now, but they love him because he stood with McCarthy each time. And there was a very narrow, narrow margin. And he was part of that narrow margin, which is why he's still there today. So let's start with him. I mean, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know if the man, the man, I don't even know the man's name. I don't know if people even knew who they were voting for. They voted for a reasonable person. I don't know think he knows. And now, and now <laughs> you talk about the mechanics. Now it's like, so where'd your money come from? Now the people that list on the campaign finance report, the latest thing by Mother Jones, is they don't exist. Mm. I mean, that's indictable, man. Trust me, I ran millions of dollars as a state Democratic chair running the governor's campaigns. If I was, I, if we were off, Whatever it was, we'd have been dinged on the front page of the star and probably speaking to you from a correctional institute. So, you know, this guy falsified reports. So there's one there's contestant number one in, in the circus. Now, the other person that's that's telling herself to be vice president of the United States is a, I don't think she's been there more than a minute is Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's now, you know, Kevin McCarthy hugging her on the floor, and kissing her on her cheek. But the one hope that I have is that America will see this and that America will go back and say, who's our member of Congress? They keep voting for they voted for this guy. I do think we're going to have Speaker Jeffries very soon. Um, and I think to go back to your question, William, if we can have somebody who can identify, who actually knows some of the same uh, millennial, Gen X, Gen Y, whatever trends and is cool, calm, and collected, and that we have people see him in that role, I think that will benefit them. Um, McCarthy is going to put these people on committees. They're going to be so excited to, to meet and wreck havoc that, you know, look what Victoria Sparks, conservative member of Congress, Republican, opposing his efforts to remove people from committees because she said it was patently unfair. And that's one of the members of his group. So, you know, they're they're out they're they're out of whack. That's all I can say. And you know, just I, for the record, nobody has coming uh come into the House of Representatives and ascended to the speakership as fast as Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> well, then that's she, a whole nother day. And if that's if that's who they're gonna put forth to be speaker, then um I think we win the house for sure in twenty four. She's speaker now. <laughs> That's what I meant. There was a thing during during the break, you know, like when you do the the uh, catch of things where you have to like click on the bridge, click on the bridge, click, you know, and they'll have different pictures before to prove you're not a robot. Yeah. They were sending things around that showed like Harmon Carden speakers, Harmon Carden speakers, and they had like a picture of Kevin uh, McCarthy, and you had to click on what you thought was a speaker. And if you clicked <laughs> on him, then, then it would say you clearly are a robot. So we'll see. <laughs> We'll see what happens there. I want to see what happens with George Santos. That's what I want to see what happens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel sorry well, I, for the young man in many respects. I hope that hope that he gets whatever he's got going on worked out. And uh, and but but well, one of the reasons they didn't purge him is he was a vote. Right. And and then on top of all that, he's looking at the uh, country of Brazil. Uh, they, yeah, they they're have a nice long him. conversation with him. He, yep. He's. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This yeah. is, and you know what? Someone said they're getting what they deserve, and it's it's really a benefit to really. Well, I don't know if it's a benefit to the Democrats per se, but it's 
we get to just demonstrate what we've been saying about the Republican Party. Just watch what's playing out right now. And, and then, of course, um, with the rollout of, of uh, former President Trump's uh, campaign for president, he's, what's going on? He's, there is no steam in the engine now. It's, um, is, is, he's, is he as a strategist waiting for a moment to just really start this, this uh, media campaign or this, um, I don't know. I mean, it's the magic from 2016. I don't know. I, I wouldn't underestimate the guy. I mean, everybody, you know, I, I'm, everybody underestimates him. You know, it's that old adage, yeah. everybody hates him except the voters. You know, everybody <laughs> hates him except the voters. But when I drive around Indiana, if I'm down in Edinburgh, I drive down through Edinburgh and there are Trump 24 signs on buildings. There are flags already up that say weathered flags still that they didn't take them down, still weathered flags for Trump. If the Republicans do what they did last time and they run, you know, the cast of Ben-Hur or the cast of the mummy for president, then he'll get 27 percent of the vote and win the primary. I mean, he doesn't have to win outright. I mean, that's and they're making the same thing. Now DeSantis, now Nikki Haley, now some other people that might all run. OK, great. He's probably, his strategy is great. The more that run the more he'll have a chance to win. Because if you remember the first time when they did the debate, there were 17 candidates on their ticket. He didn't even right. show up, if you remember, in Iowa. He didn't show up because he said he was down the street having a fundraiser for veterans. He didn't even show up and ends up winning, becoming their nominee. So I don't know. I wouldn't underestimate him. I think they're in a quandary. Um, everybody wants to be junior Trump uh, or Trump light, and that's their dilemma. Our, our thing is that um, I never thought, I mean, <laughs> I never thought that we would be looking for the moderating voice of Mitch McConnell and Chuck Grassley to slow things down. But that's what we're looking at. We're t appealing to them to say, you know, like the president being in Cincinnati the other day with uh, McConnell and, and then Ben, uh, not Ben, but uh, uh, Portman and everybody there. And then Andy Bashir all standing at the, the bridge there. We're looking for a moderating voice. Um, to come from their side of the aisle to hold off what they think is going to be legislation coming out of the house. I don't know that it will. I don't know if their legislation will make it out, but certainly they're going to have, I think William said it earlier, one of you two said it, there's going to be a lot of rancor and, and circular firing squad within their group. Mm -hmm. Let me, let me ask you, uh, midterm elections, did those turn out the way you thought they would? Um, they turned out the way I thought they would nationally. Uh, we got to continue to rebuild our party here in Indiana. Um, we had an outstanding candidate in Zanae Brooks run for statewide office. Outstanding young woman, CPA, outstanding young woman. And I hope she won't um, disappear from the radar screen. Um, nationally, uh, I love Michigan. I wish that Mandela Barnes had won in Wisconsin. He came extremely yeah. close. Um, but I mean, you know, yeah, I, I, Georgia, what more can you say about Georgia? I mean, continues to be an outstanding state, Warnock in a brawl, but still, Herschel Walker got like 1.7 million votes. So, so, you know, I think our, our nation is pretty much split. Clearly, the House is within a razor-thin uh, majority, and we'll see, we'll see where things go. I, but it did turn out great. Pennsylvania, that's my home state. I love John Fetterman beating Dr. Oz. I love John Fetterman beating Dr. Oz. I mean, he was so out of sync with that state, moved from New Jersey, 
I don't even know if he still is even in Philadelphia anymore. But um, Pennsylvania, so our, our, our bellwether states, and now with the ad, addition of uh, Georgia, Arizona as battleground states, I'm glad we beat Kerry Lake. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but we put together good coalitions. And, I'm she sorry. has lost her mind. Carrie Lake has lost her mind. I don't think she had much to be much to, to lose, but you know <laughs> the bottom line is, is that she she had she had presented herself. I mean, I can remember people were already grooming her as vice president. Yeah. You know, telegenic, articulate, carrying the Trump banner. She's clearly going to be as vice president. Well, you know, funny thing happened on the way to the sectional. She got beat. So mm-hmm. she. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how these states, Nevada, what a brawl and what a win there. So we have new coalitions that are coming up, and I hope that people will respect that. That's why I'm moving these primaries, moving them away from solely being related to Iowa and New Hampshire, um, and getting more where we have a more diverse electorate, I think is real important. When, yeah, let's not forget Democrats. the state house in Michigan. Oh, that's right. oh yeah. And again, an African-American lieutenant governor who may mm-hmm. break out here and run for the U.S. Senate, so keep your eye on him, too. Mm-hmm. What, what do the Democrats need to do to, to court more Hispanics into uh, the big tent? Not make them monolithic. There's a difference between a Cuban in, in Miami-Dade County and someone at El Paso. It's not all about mm-hmm. immigration. Um, mm-hmm. you got to remember, and, and someone explained this to me. Actually, it was a woman here at one of the Hispanic organizations. We were doing voter registration. And I was appalled that we sent people there that afternoon and we only had three people registered to vote. She said, that these people have fled persecution by so maybe one of the first things they don't want to do is enroll to be part of the government. Um, the word socialist is is hated in the community. So when you hear that Republicans are running that, that's fine. That's how they've been able to make inroads, particularly in Florida, um, where they where they've killed off large and in Texas. But Chuck Rocha is a guy that uh, used to live here in Indiana. He's heads up and he's, he's very outspoken about leading a, an effort to recruit more uh, Hispanic support. I think he's right. Just like I said earlier, you don't wait till November or October of 24 to start. You start now. You start by visibility. Start by, you know, we do it here. We, we advertise on La Vaz. We do Telemundo. We, we have a, a growing Hispanic caucus here. We have outstanding candidates who are going to run uh, for office next year so i think you start early and uh, we have about time for two questions um one we i am just curious will georgia pull the proverbial trigger and indict donald trump i believe they will and I, I think they have you more than enough prima, evidence you think about prima facie evidence you got the guy no. recording prima facie evidence and um you know one was, thing to keep in mind what can i just say one remember this all started with a little place called ukraine i was about to say remember, it was a clean call <laughs> <laughs> i mean this all started with ukraine he's sitting there in the white house saying i need you to do x y and z no one paid attention to ukraine then because the soviets had or the russians hadn't invaded it but it started with ukraine so there's my answer to your first question i believe you will be invited okay and the, so, and the uh, final question that, that I have, we'll, we'll go ahead and ask yours. I think we could squeeze mine in. Robin, you touched on something that uh, I've been wondering about uh, for a little while. I have heard zero talk about it, but I understand why I get it. 
if Joe Biden does not run, can Kamala Harris energize the base? Yes, she absolutely can. That's what she's spent. She specifically, if you Google after this, and she specifically is spending a lot of time going to the African-American base, particularly trying to get uh, garner support, more support from African-American males than before. But I have no doubt that mm-hmm. she can absolutely uh, mobilize the base. And here's why. I think the base is ready to be mobile, ready to be mobilized. Um, the other guys keep giving us issues. This latest 30% sales tax, now, listeners, oh, think about that. You go out to dinner tonight, and I make it. I won't make it. Doesn't have to be the uptown. You go to dinner tonight to one of the chains, Texas Roadhouse. Your dinner under their thing would cost thirty percent more because of a sales tax. So, people are very focused on their pocketbook. I think that that um, they're going to keep giving us the issues that we need to run on in, in twenty four. And we have about a minute or two left, and this is probably the most important question that we're going to ask through this whole interview. Robin, you head up the Democratic National Party in Indiana. Have you checked your garage for any top secret documents? <laughs> no, he didn't. Because <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm luckily in that role, I didn't have anything marked top secret. Um, but I d- will tell you that my friends and I have formed a company called classified documents are us and we're going to offer to help former presidents pack up their things by very simply looking and saying does that have a big red stamp on it saying classified let's put it over here and ship it to the national archive so we are going to form that company i said it on tv this morning if you don't believe me go look on fox 59 and cbs4 i said we're going to form that company because clearly there's a niche for it I think, and I'll be honest, I think every single serving member of Congress and every president and former vice president, there's something that they probably should not have walked off with. But uh, but the long and short of it is, is that when you were approached about it, that you didn't, of course, bluster and you didn't uh, just deny that uh, they were top secret. You didn't say, well, I, I, made, I declassified them. Um, it was just the approach that Biden has been over backwards accommodating Pence is out now on the apology tour saying, yes, I understand I was wrong. <laughs> but but and I'm just thinking, who's next? You know, Clinton has said, hasn't said a word. And Obama, you know, I, I think they're afraid to ask him. So I think they're all I think they're all right now going through boxes at store store garage <laughs> to see, see what they probably. what they've got. They got somebody in there. But also keep in mind there I, I read something that said there's five million. Five million documents deemed right now as classified. Five million. We may be oh, yeah. lowering the bar. I mean, I get stuff from people and they'll put across the top of it, uh, deliberative. It's like deliberative. This is nothing more than the, who's meeting and what the Zoom call-in thing is. That's not deliberative, but they have, they have deemed it as such. So, And also Biden was not nearly as many documents as, as the former president. Right, right. Well, um, hey, Robin, well, one, one quick suggestion. Just go with CDs are us. <laughs> well that's that's good that would be somebody's probably already beat me to it because they've already there'll be something in our spam tomorrow saying are you an executive that needs to protect your records you know so there'll be that's somebody fine. can i say one thing before i hang up absolutely if you're listening folks here we go this is a, this is a plug for you guys no they didn't send me a check or anything and beg me to do it here we go if you're listening to the show listen to the show keep this show alive donate when, I, when, you get, when you get the thing in the, in the mail, because I did, 
Clarence, donate, and I'm going to continue to donate. Donate and support. Thank you. Donate and support shows like this. You want to hear what people have to say? Well, these folks on a Sunday afternoon are giving you time to do whatever they can do to try to, to make sure you learn more about it. Be involved. The biggest, biggest detriment of not being involved and being an uninformed person in our, in our democracy is what we get when we don't get ourselves involved and don't do things. So I strongly encourage you. There's, I mean, I'm not on, on a PBS with a smooth voice showing you old albums, but I'm just telling you, donate to support what these guys are doing if you're listening. Thank you. And our thanks to Robin Winston of the Winston Terrell Group and one of Bring It On's most um, proud, aesthetic benefactors. Uh, he joined us this evening to discuss a wide array of topics, including a very um, difficult conversation on, on police brutality and what needs to change, as well as the climate, the political climate in Indiana and then nationally. And as always, it is a pleasure to have him on. Thank you guys for having me. Have a great Thank day. Thank you. Okay. Bring It On has an open submission policy. So if you have any ideas for this program, we would like to hear what they are. Please send your emails to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share any and everything affecting the African excuse me, the African American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. Once again, our email address, bring it on at WFHB.org. Bring it on's executive producer, yours truly, Clarence Bennett, and tonight's producer, assistant producer all the way from South Carolina is William Hosea and show consultant WFHB News Department Director is Kate Young. And program engineer Chantal LaFontaine. Original theme music was created by Jamel FM with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone. And I'm William Hosea. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.